pushing me forward in my life has happened when I didn't quite know what was next. You know, when my, when I, when I dropped my racket and I took a year off, I had no idea what to do. And it, it, led me to some incredible experiences and things. When I moved to New York with no job, I had no idea what was coming next. And it led me to incredible experiences and things. And so I think that really telling kids and athletes and non-athletes and whoever that like being in uncertainty for a little bit and, and, and that discomfort is actually okay. Like it's more than okay. I think you need it. I think you're, you just need it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's tough when you're, when you're younger and you're kind of growing up around this, you have to, it's trial and error. Welcome to the Superset Podcast, episode 52. This is Crystal O'Keefe. And this is Tom O'Keefe. And uh, man, I so we both started Sculpt and Shred today. <laughs> I thought it was Shred and Sculpt. Shred and Sculpt. You know how much attention I pay to things. Yeah, the full name is like Fast Track, Four Week four Fast week Track. Four Week Fast Track. Sculpt and Shred. Sculpt and Shred, based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Um, and so it's, no. a, it's a long title. It is a long and title. So, but adding to the difficulty level for us on this particular one is we just got back from vacation. So yep. we just spent a week in Disney. And I know this is a first world problem, but we did but we sure. did not do any exercising unless you count walking. Hey, we walked a there lot. There was a lot of walking, but it wasn't like walking with a purpose. No. Unless we thought the bus was going to leave without us. Yeah. Then and we walked with a the purpose. Then we walked with a purpose. Or we actually had Brian walk with the purpose to hold the bus while we while we caught up. Yeah. But uh That's true. But and like let's face it, we you you know like I always say how weird I am with the eating, and I always say that I I'm like uh, and, and I have the culinary taste of an eight year old boy at a theme park. Well, I was literally at a theme park, so this was your this was your place to shine. Yes, and I shine. We did. I shoned. <laughs> I shoned it all over the place, and uh, and so now it's back to it because I have like twelve pounds to lose now. <laughs> So uh, a lot of that's water weight. A lot of that's going to sure. come off. Right? I didn't. I, I didn't drink that much water. Uh, so that's not what water weight is. But anyway, there was a there was a lot of uh, a lot of eating, and so now. But so, but we decided to divide and conquer, which I think is the name of a different program. It but is. for our purposes, lowercase d, lowercase c. So you're doing the lower body version. I am. And I'm doing the upper body version. Yes. So between the two of us, we will either be really fit or really unfit so i'm curious do you think that we should kind of wait to get into our our deep dive of what we think so far until later when we talk about sculpt and shred i guess we can wait yeah a little tease for people yeah a little tease so yeah, let's tell exactly what we think of this program yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh and coming up this week our interview is with christina centenari yes and that's a fun one. Oh my god she's so great yes so anyway, you have that to look forward to. Also, before we kick into the show proper, we should probably remind people about the 30-day home trial. Yeah, this is, uh, they're trying to remind you guys that Tonal, we have we have 30 days to try this at home. And did you know, I did not know this, 96% of members 
that were surveyed feel stronger after only 60 days on tonal? Well, I knew that because it says it right here in the show notes. Did you know it before that? No. Okay, that's what I thought. Well, did you know that 98% of members surveyed say tonal keeps them feeling challenged? Yeah, it says it right there, too. Well, did you know that before? No. So there, mm. take that. <laughs> so, but, uh, um, and I, I guess I should say, I know a lot of people listening, by virtue of definition, already have a tonal, and they're like, why do I care? But, you know, you probably have a friend, and... Trying a tonal, I don't feel like it's the same as like trying a Peloton. It's not. Like you get on a bike and you're like, oh, I know how a bike feels. There's this, so much but, to show a person. Yeah. So so I work for MetPro. I'm a coach on MetPro. And tonal did a, a, so several of our coaches have never even seen a tonal in real life. And uh, so, so we did this thing where tonal came in uh, virtually, not really, but virtually. And they showed coaches what all a tonal can do right and i kept being like well, what about this and what about that because because i use so much of it right it, there's a high level overview but there are so many things a tonal does that people it doesn't it's not obvious yeah it's not obvious so if you got a friend or loved one or family member uh that is interested in on the fence maybe just remind them like hey there's a there's a 30-day home trial yeah you can you try can, it out for yourself you can test it out i mean they're gonna put it on your wall but <laughs> <laughs> but then after that, no strings. Yeah. They're confident. You're going to keep it. You're not going to want it off your wall. You're going to keep it. Yeah. And use promo code, the clip out of checkout, save them a little money. That's right. hundred so, bucks off. Yeah. So what, pray tell, did we already cover everything that's on the show this week? Well, we're also, well, we got some other stuff, right? Yeah, we do. Well, um, we're going to talk about the new content. We've got our amazing interview with Christina, and uh, there's a whole bunch of new like live classes that are mm-hmm. coming up, and then we've got some news about the coaches. So oh. we're going to touch on that, too. Awesome. Well, before we get to all that, shameless plugs, don't forget we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeart, TuneIn, wherever you find a podcast. You can find us while you're there. Be sure and follow us so you never miss an episode. Maybe leave us a review. That's super helpful. You can also... Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash superset podcast. And finally, you can watch all of these episodes on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the clip out, the name of our other show, but these live there as well. So uh, we would love to see you. Well, we would love for you to see us. We can't see you. That's kind of hard to see you watch that's us. That's how it works. Kind of weird. Really, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. We'll be there in spirit. Yeah, definitely. So, and HD. So anyway, there's all that. Let's uh, let's dig in, shall we? We shall. New tonal content. So we alluded to this at the top of the show. Actually, we just started talking about it and had to stop ourselves. We were so excited. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> like the Pointer Sisters, we just can't hide it. <laughs> Have to wear a long shirt. It helps. So you uh, four-week fast track sculpt and shred and stuff. Yeah. So... You started it today, and I started it today. Yeah, it officially launched on Tonal back on June 5th, but that's when we left for vacation. We literally were flying. We were on a plane while it launched. Yeah, so we weren't going to do that. No. But, okay. You know what we should have done? What should we have done? We should have, once we got to to Disney Copper Creek, Wilderness Lodge, we should have done one of those 30-day trials. <laughs> you think that they would do that? I don't think they they never know. They'd never know. They'd never know. I'm sure Disney wouldn't be mad about that at all. Um pretty sure there's rules against that. Yeah. Well, you're no fun. I know. Okay. Sorry, honey. So now we're home and we can we can start the sculpting and the shredding. So. Yeah, yeah. So so this has two tracks. It's got the upper body and the lower body. Yes. Uh, sculpting for the lower body and uh, shredding for the upper body. And uh, this kind of worked for us really well because you wanted to do the upper body. I gravitated toward the lower body. Uh, who doesn't want to sculpt? Well, what, what well, women? I didn't. What there? Most <laughs> women want to sculpt their lower body. Most yeah. men want to shred their upper body. It That's feels like a good mix. Most women want to see the guy shredded on the upper body, and most guys are focusing on the lower parts. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was definitely our thought process um (laughs) so uh i love this because uh the way that it's listed the way that these workouts are broken out is that you have two workouts a week that are focused on strength and then you have two workouts a, a week that are focused on high intensity training so 
I'm scared to death of what they're going to do for the hit classes <laughs> uh, because they have already said the coaches have all said it's going to be it's going to be tough. It, that's the whole goal. They want you to kind of push to the next level. Right. Not so hard. To, it's not doable. I don't mean that at all. Yeah. But the idea is to lift heavy it's and then lean to challenge lean. yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because we're trying to with this. The whole goal is to shift your body composition to get leaner, to get more powerful. And so, yeah, uh, that was a, a lot of hip thrusters, like a lot, like six, six sets of hip thrusters in day one. Well, the upper body is the same. Just Oof. I was doing bench press thrusters. <laughs> so they, they, they just call them bench presses. Sure. <laughs> so they, I just do what the little guy on the screen tells me to do. So, uh, so yeah, it was, I did, I think like 70 or 75 bench presses. Yeah. It was just, and it was just over I, and over again. I think um, walking up and down stairs is going to be tough for me tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, I I noticed that with their their challenge, they have it listed out so that you have a whole month of workouts. So you do these four, but they also have other workouts built in that they recommend. And I noticed that tomorrow is a mobility day. I'm very excited about the mobility because I can already tell I'm going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> they they knew what they were doing. Yes. Yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, this this feels like a week where the uh, the old foam roller is going to be pulled out. Maybe the Theragun, you know, going to have to hit all the things. Well, I will say thus far, I, I, I know I just finished mine like. 30 minutes ago yeah but uh I, I didn't feel like completely wiped but i will say before we left for disney i was doing a, a lot of like pretty ag aggressive for me upper body stuff and so i think maybe i was like had inadvertently prepared myself for this yeah whereas i have not done any strength for like three weeks now just because of how everything's gone down but you so. were so focused on doing running big sur yeah. and then you had the car wreck in the middle of that or you didn't have a car wreck you you I were got the hit car wreck car. Yeah. yeah and uh so that Did just, you just kind call of... me a car wreck yes you're a car oh, wow <laughs> thanks babe <laughs> And, uh, Maybe this whole lower body sculpting is not really <laughs> worth anything. <laughs> but uh, well, when I say car wreck, it sounds like you were in a car, know, they were in a car, and so it's like it's way worse <laughs> what happened, right? It it, it was yeah. terrible. It's terrible. I can't believe it happened. Still, yeah. <laughs> it's craziness. My larger point was it really messed up your routine, and it so did, you're getting back into things. Yeah, I am, and I started the um, last month. I had started the cycle sync training, and and I really liked it. It was a great program it's just that my cycle's all jacked up because i'm perimenopausal so it's not really um it's not really in sync yeah <laughs> it didn't do what it was designed to do because my body did not do what it was designed your to cycle do. is more backstreet boys <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly anyway uh i i'm really i really liked the the volume and how simplistic this was like it was like get in get out get it done yeah like it wasn't like a whole bunch of different moves it was just do the things. Yeah, mine simple. was like 43 minutes. And I mean, it was... Mine was 51, but yeah. whatevs. <laughs> well, no big deal. But yeah, I, but there was not a lot of downtime. It was like, I, you know, I didn't feel like I was... Sometimes you sit there and you're like, okay, I'm ready for the next thing. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but no, they, they, they keep you moving. So it will be interesting to see how it goes as it progresses. But so far, so good. We will report back on the next episode in, in, in case we're doing recording entirely laying on the ground. Yeah, that could happen. <laughs> yes. Well just be weak <laughs> <laughs> so um there is also a lot of new live content there that is. is coming out or has come out yeah one of the ones that uh just came out is called 20 and 20 spiced up set oh i love the spice channel when i was younger so no no, that... no 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 oh, okay but this this particular program uses pre-fatigue sets that you hit your target muscle group twice in a row so do you, do you understand that do you want me to explain it yeah put that in for people that for, I mean, for the listeners that might not be as well versed sure, sure, as sure, I sure. am, perhaps you could explain that to them. Yeah, it's uh, the idea being that you go back and hit the same muscle groups twice in a row. So you might do like three sets and then you go of whatever move. Mm -hmm. Let's let's see your, your bench presses. Okay. Then bench press thrust. Go on. Then you go back and do another three sets maybe. And this time you're going to do let's say push-ups, but you're still hitting the same muscle groups. And so it really, really, really burns out the muscle that you're working on. Gotcha. Um, so you get, as they say, the tasty burn. So that is Coach Akeem. 
you're going to get some some gains from that one in a very quick amount of time. It's I love these 20 and 20s because yeah. they're like super short. Right. But they get right to the point. Yes. All right. Then we've got Summer Sizzle. All right. Now this one. That's, that's <laughs> was that the sizzling? That was sizzling. Oh, I thought that I was taken back to Florida where it was 90 degrees. <laughs> I was sizzling there. <laughs> I am I am no Michael Winslow. <laughs> With your sound effects? Yes. Okay. So Summer Sizzle, it has a very fast pace and it has very short rest periods, but it's all high intensity resistance training. So the idea being that you're going to burn your fat, you're going to shift body composition, and you're going to get super sweaty. So perfect for you, Tom. You know how you love that. No, I love the cardio yeah i know <laughs> uh but this is coach woody this is going to be a tough one and honestly it says it says that it's resist high intensity resistance training which actually i really like high intensity resistance training because you go really fast but it's with weights and it's still controlled because it's on the tonal unlike you know swinging weights around i don't feel safe with that at yeah, all I, so get that. I really like using the tonal for that uh then you have preseason performance so this is all about performing excuse me this is all about improving your speed resilience and coordination resilience your speed resilience and coordination with conditioning drills so it's all about drills gaining power and explosiveness through heavy lifting this is really important for people who do any kind of sports uh, because you tend to move over and over again the same way in whatever sport you do, whether it be running, biking, or like football, that kind of thing. Xboxing. Yeah, that's yeah. A that's a sport now. I know. It's a different generation. <laughs> uh, there was a guy today that stopped by our house to spray for bugs like we do every uh -huh. quarter. Yes. And uh, he uh, definitely stopped in Brian's room to have a whole conversation about Xbox. <laughs> Hopefully we're not paying them by the hour. No, no, we weren't. But I was like, really? What is happening right now? Uh, <laughs> but I love this because you work, this particular one, pre-season performance, you are working in different planes of motion. So that's awesome. You know, if you're a person like myself that does a lot of running and biking, you're moving constantly forward. So it's really, really important to move quickly sideways. Like that. that's not something our body typically does. And if you're a person like myself, you can do one of the other two. <laughs> <laughs> me and sports not no, a thing thank you yeah no i filed a restraining order against sports did you yes i didn't know that you know that you how's can, that going you can file a restraining order against abstract concepts but you can mm. so ta-da i think that's only an imaginary land anyway this one has several coaches i like when they share the coaches coach joe ash tanisha and tim so it's four of them the little sampler platter yeah a whitman sampler but I guess they all have... I just pictured opening up a little box and all the little coaches there. Hi! <laughs> but they all have nougat if you bite hard enough, oh, so don't no, do that. Don't, don't do, do that. that. Make it weird, Tom. Don't do that. <laughs> well, everyone's filled with nougat eventually. Stop. What? Stop it. Thought you knew we were gooey on the inside. Stop. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> coaches in the news. Big news for... Joe Rodonis, he got engaged. Yay! Happy engagement, Coach Rodonis, Coach Joe. That's where so are they exciting. getting engaged in a Nancy Myers film? I I think that's the the house where they filmed uh, Home Alone. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, it looks it looks like where they it looks like the set of Father of the Bride. I it, I mean. <laughs> Maybe that's one of those like uh, really fancy like bed and breakfast kind of things. Perhaps, yeah. I don't know. But it's very nice. It's beautiful. Yeah. Woodstock Inn and Resort. That's probably where there. they got engaged. There you go. Yeah. I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Yeah. If only, if only uh, Instagram had this little thing where you could tag the location. You should uh, write them a letter. I should. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Yes. That's the point of this. Absolutely. <laughs> So now we now we can be on marriage watch, <laughs> wedding watch. Yeah. Did you see the quote that he put? I did not. It's by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Heard of him. Uh, I love you. And that's the beginning and end of everything. Aww. <laughs> I love it. So now am I in trouble for not having a fancy pants quote when we get engaged? No. I to this day I have no idea what you said to me. I don't think you do. I don't either. I I know it was like, incredibly romantic. It was it was incredibly romantic. 
Uh, and I loved your proposal. So that's not a criticism. But I was so overwhelmed by everything happening because so many people were staring at us. And um, <laughs> there was a glass slipper. It's <laughs> not something you see every day. Yeah. And then and you were nervous, which you never get nervous. So, yeah, I was focused on that (laughs) you were afraid something was wrong i know i'm like why are you wait what's happening (laughs) our interview of the week christina centenari is back at work yeah she had her her knee injury and then surgery and you're going to hear all about that in her interview but uh Coach Woody and <laughs> and Christina did a video showing their reunion complete with a tear. <laughs> <laughs> they attempt then, to replicate the dirty dancing lift. Am I the only one that saw this? It was like, no, don't lift her, your knee. <laughs> <laughs> Thought it would just go to black and be like, Christina will return in six to eight weeks. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, so she's back, and now you can hear her whole story, her recovery, and of course, she's back. She did her first live class with Coach Woody this morning, two for one, which is always fun. I love it. In fact, uh, you can hear that right now. Checking in with the Tonal Team. So uh, joining us today via the magic of ZoomTube is Christina Centenari. Did I get it right? Hi. I got it right. <laughs> okay, we were just discussing this before we started recording, so I was just like, I always say I have to say the names like within four seconds of being told how to say the name. Yeah, because it's... Yeah, because if you don't, then, like, suddenly your brain is, like, starts second-guessing itself, and then it's like, oh, wait, did I say this right? Did I not say it right? (laughs) And I always get wrong. how are you? Like, half the time, like, I'm surprised you were like, actually, it's Christ Tina. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we recently interviewed someone. It really, like, threw us for a loop because it looked spelled a, sec- a certain way and it like seemed very obvious and we were very confident and they were like oh no it's not and i don't want to call that person out yes <laughs> but it really threw us off <laughs> it's all part of it it's all part of the game it is it is so welcome and i'm so glad that you are here and you are back on the schedule for live classes at tonal welcome back how exciting Thank you. Yeah, I have yet to teach my first live. I was in the studio yesterday doing some other mobility units, which was good to kind of just get back in and get warmed up. I was nervous, but I love this. So I'm so excited to be back. Oh, we're excited to have you back. Now, I, I know that you had an injury that kind of put everything on hold, but everybody may not know about that. So what can you tell us about that injury? Yeah. So I tore my meniscus in my right knee. (laughs) Everybody thinks this is actually perfect. I'll say this on here. (laughs) Everybody thinks it was from skiing because I went helicopter skiing in January, which I do. I try and do like most years, but hang on, hang on. Helicopter skiing. What does that even mean? Like Like you jump out of a helicopter, helicopter, like in a James Bond movie. That's what I picture. Are you smuggling microfiche? What is going on? People, listen, that's kind of like my dream. Like maybe if I wasn't a tonal coach, I'd be like, like, you know, whatever agent. No, this is very methodical. They drop you. You have a guide. They place you down on the mountain. You don't jump. But you are going up and down, up and down in the heli. And you're going to these absolutely beautiful places that nobody's been to. And yeah, I mean, you're in powder up to your chest sometimes oh wow Uh, that's not skiing that's drowning that's (laughs) your helicopter drowning yeah but so anyway i did not tear my knee there i mean like that was a great trip i felt great coming back but what's interesting is that a lot of human beings a lot of active human beings are walking around with slight meniscus tears and you can live with it you don't always know it So I I probably just from years of tennis and everything and running had something. And I don't even know exactly what it was, but it was a mix of, there was one workout where I was jumping. I felt something funky. And I think it was over time, the tear just kind of got bigger. And beginning of February, I was like, oh man, something's going on here. So yeah, so I got surgery in March. I'm very stubborn. It took me a month. I was like, I can rehab this. I'll be okay. Um, (laughs) 
But my physical therapist was like, we need to get it fixed. Let's just get it done. You know, it's time for a surgery when a physical therapist says, no, nah, you got to do the surgery. Yeah. <laughs> and he and I are both very, you know, if you can avoid surgery, I'm always going to recommend it. Always going to recommend the movement approach rather than cutting you open. But sometimes, sometimes you got to fix it. So. I'm curious what a torn meniscus feels like. Yeah, is there I was anything? too. Like when you said you felt something funky, I was like, well, define that in case one of us is feeling something funky and we didn't know. It. No, it's a great question. We could be the uh, funky bunch and not even know. Yeah. Be our Marky Mark, Christina. Everybody with a meniscus tear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's a great question because it's actually a very acute feeling. That is what what was frustrating about it is that I was pretty like able to do. I mean, I was still teaching. I was still squatting. I was still lunging. But what just felt absolutely horrible was bending my knee fully. So that's called full flexion of the knee and then extending it. So bending it fully and then lengthening it back out. I would get this like snap, crackle, pop. That was just pain, full body chills. But unless if I was doing that, I'd get pain, but pretty much anything else would feel okay. So that's why I was pretty stubborn because I was like, well, I can do like 85% of things. But I think a lot of people get used to that notion. Like a lot of us humans just are like our baseline for feeling good tends to lower, whether it's a meniscus tear, whether it's whatever. Yes, that's called aging. Exactly. Like we accept these things because it's like, well, I'm getting older. These things happen. Yeah. And I was like being a hypocrite because I'm always like, no, you don't like everybody can live optimally. You know, we just have to kind of like put in a little work. So, yeah. So coaching and running and 85% is not optimal for me. So at one point I just bit the bullet. I said, okay, let's do this. Yeah, I remember seeing your post of like your Instagram and you showed that like you had to go to the hospital, obviously, to to have the surgery and then like you're starting recovery. And then I've been kind of watching all of your recovery posts since then. What has that road to recovery felt like from your perspective? I know I'm not a good patient because I'm not patient. (laughs) (laughs) I've recently witnessed that and I can attest that that is accurate. That's hilarious. Yeah, you and you Is and it we're, we're... <laughs> Yes, it is, Tom. Listen, you're not the only one. I'm right there with you. I uh, patience is not my strength, let's say. But yeah, so this is not the first time in my life that I've been injured. I mean, I kind of ended up where I am now, coaching and in the wellness space because of my past injuries. Oh. I had two other knee surgeries on my left knee growing up playing tennis. And I struggled with right shoulder for a very long time. So I'm like, I'm used to like being like, okay, we're on the mend here. We're about to start that journey. But what was interesting about this time is it's been a couple of years since something more serious like this has happened. And knowing what I know now about the body and about how to train and about how it works, I could really use some of that and implement it in my recovery, which I've been trying to kind of show on Instagram without being too like, I'm injured. Here's me getting better. Like (laughs) just trying to make it a little bit more like relatable for people, whether it's a knee surgery or just anything else you're coming back from. But the process has been, it's been a little like tumultuous as all recoveries are, you know, I mean, the beginning was, I'm so lucky to have this community of like love and support and energy. And it really was a catalyst for me to just like go. I'm like, I got this, but it's been three months now. And by that month and a half point, when you're not in the brace anymore, you're not on crutches, you look like you're walking normally, but your knee is still like blowing up and it's still hindering you from doing most things. That's where the mental kind of patience really starts to play a part because you just want to get back out there. Like you just want, you feel good. You see your knee, it looks okay, but it's still not there. And I would say that's this part of the recovery where I'm in now, this like second phase is the most important to stay patient, to kind of trust the process and 
to really work on things from like a psychological mental side, just always being in my own corner, always kind of hyping myself up. So easy to get down on yourself in the second phase when you think you should be further than you are. Oh, that should word. That should. It's like taking antibiotics, right? Like just because you're feeling better, you got to complete the cycle. Don't just stop taking it. it. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. But the thing is that you think that you're better. Like there's this disconnect. Like you nailed it when you said your knee looks fine, right? Like you look at it and it's fine. So your brain is like, well, why can't you do more knee? Why can't you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And it's a great point because I would also say it's this like delicate balance of knowing yourself well enough and trusting who you're working with, your therapists and your doctors to be patient, but to also not fall into the like, oh, I'm injured. Because from the get-go, like Woody, who's my colleague and like a dear friend, said something to me in the beginning that meant a lot. She's like, Christina, you know, most of us would just be sitting on our butt and like being like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. But I've from the beginning just been very like, more of the mentality of, okay, what can I do? Because it's easy to get stuck in the, I can't do this and just kind of get used to that. And then the more you get used to that sort of sedentary backing off lifestyle, the harder it is to get back in. So I've been trying to keep the ball rolling there. Just what can I do while staying smart and patient about what still needs some time? Well, that is smart. That is smart to do. I feel like I think it's great that because you've had experience and had some of those things to draw on. When I was recently injured, that was my first like ever injury that I've ever had in my life. So it was really tough mentally to come back from. And I feel like even still, it's been like almost four months at this point and I'm still not back where I was before. And it's like really hard to not feel that should, that I should be there. I should be at a certain place. So I think that it's really nice that you're setting such a good example of walking the walk that you put out there because people need to see that. They need to see this is the proper way to recover and to put yourself in that mindset. Yeah. The first time you're injured, it's so easy to just get very down on yourself. I'd say like my advice to you, just like having dealt with now something for the first time, it's so easy to think you'll always be in pain because pain is a very strong sensation. Like your brain holds on to pain and it's crazy and it's powerful, but it's that like trust that you won't be in pain forever. And I mean, I remember my shoulder growing up and playing tennis I just thought I was going to be in pain forever. And it was so frustrating and disheartening. But just like anything, the more you experience something and the more you overcome it, the next time it happens, which it's bound to, like we're human, you know, you know, this is what I need to do. I need to rehab it this way. I need to think about it this way and I'll come out the other side. So that's the advice I would give a lot of people who are dealing with first time injuries and pain points. I always think you. you should take those fitness slogans and just inverse them in those moments, right? It's not that you don't get to, it's that you don't have to. (laughs) You have an excuse. Right. (laughs) Since you've already had two knee surgeries before that, one more and the fifth one's free. So you you have that to look for. If you could do, they gave you the punch card, right? Did you get the punch card? No. Oh, man. I almost got a free one. Yeah. (laughs) You're so close. So close. How are you feeling now, though? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Knee is getting there. We're like, we're 90%. We're 90% there. I can't really run yet. I can't do some of the plyometric stuff yet. So when I come back teaching live, people can expect to not be doing skaters and things yet. (laughs) I don't know if that's going to like pull you into my class or if you'll be like, yeah, no, I want that. But we're making strides in terms of strength and range of motion is coming back slowly. And then mentally, I'm I'm feeling good too. I, again, it's been up and down, but you kind of have to step back from your mind and watch it rather than sink into it. And that's what I've been trying to do. That's really awesome. You know, um, if you want to get the skater bounce back in, here's what you do. You do oh, like geez. an aging <laughs> classic rock musician and they just bring in somebody to hit the high notes, right? Like you just be like, and now for skater bounce, here's Woody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. And then you exactly. drink your water in the background. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And then when you're done, everyone applauds for you. <laughs> so I want to dig in a little bit to the history you mentioned about being an athlete. You've done all kinds of things. You mentioned tennis, but you also played lacrosse. You've been in the row crew in college. Tell us about that background. I want to hear more about that. Yeah. So I grew up as a tennis player, whole family. My dad got us started. I have an older brother and a younger sister. Older brother played in college, went on to play pro for about five years wow. after. And that was, he's kind of the like Buddha of the family. So I'm the middle child. I, I'm right after him. I'm like, I'm going to do that. But like I said, I had this shoulder injury upon my knee surgeries playing and I eventually went to college to play tennis was like ACC or die. Like I was like, I need the top level. I need to make it there. I need the label and I need the gear and I need the image. Now the endorsement deals. Yes. What does ACC mean for us non-sportsy people? Yeah. So it's a conference. (laughs) So like the NCAA has a bunch of different conferences, depending on what area of the country your school is in. Okay. And the ACC is a, kind of cluster of schools that is known for their higher athletic kind of positioning. So it's like okay. Big Ten or something. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So like Big Ten is one conference, ACC, it's Atlantic Coast. And yeah, so I really wanted to go to a school that was in the ACC. And sure. so I ended up at Wake Forest and I spent about a year, a little over a year there. And it was very challenging because when you're younger and you're growing up in this culture of success is going to this school and then it's getting this job. That's kind of how I grew up. Not my parents, just school and just living in the States, to be honest. I mean, I have a lot to say about our culture, but I kind of had this vision of success that just wasn't going to ever fulfill me. And so I got to school and I put so much pressure on myself and I struggled with a lot of more physical injuries. And then I struggled with my mental health like tremendously. And by the time sophomore year rolled around, I thought I was okay. I thought I was going to get better. And I didn't. And I ended up leaving my sophomore year, not having a plan on where to go. I just, I honestly had like a mental breakdown sophomore year and, and my dad came and picked me up and I left. And I took the rest of that year off and I didn't know that I was never going to play again, but I never played again. I kind of had a very strained relationship with this sport when I left, but I took that year to just do other things and figure out 17 years of playing tennis. Who am I? Who am I without it? So eventually went back to college, went to Chapel Hill, had a lot of fun, dabbled in lacrosse there, was on the rowing team for a year. Again, though, just constantly injured which was so frustrating, but it, like anything, it kind of pushed me in this path of, I love being an athlete. Clearly I love moving my body. I'm good at it. I'm competitive, but why am I always injured? Right. Yeah. Right. That's always holding me back. And yeah, I mean, I didn't realize that that is what I wanted to do then, but that is always a question that I had tons of physical therapy. So I've been in a ton of physical therapy spaces observing. And then when I stopped playing sports, I got into group fit. I took a group fitness class. I was like, okay, here we go. I'm going to try this out. And I was obsessed. What was your group fitness class of choice? So what did you try? It was a small spin studio (laughs) in North Carolina. (laughs) And that's actually the first teaching gig I have ever done. Wow. uh, Fitness was spin. So, I mean, all of that, eventually I have a journalism degree. I remember graduating and just feeling like, I guess I have to go do this, but I don't really want to. And then one of my friends was like, why don't you just go do the fitness thing for a little bit? Go, go try it out. So I moved to New York with no job and I, I auditioned and applied to all these different things. And it eventually led me to Tonal after four or five years. <laughs> that's wow. awesome. And you know, it's funny. So we have a son that's getting ready to go off to college in the fall. And I tell him all the time, and I feel like your story is a perfect example of this, is I say, have a dream, but be prepared to pivot. I was like, there are so many career paths out there that you don't even know exist yet. 
So like, don't get so hyper focused on achieving the one that you happen to know about when you're 17, that everything else gets defined as failure because it's just not a way to go through life. And 18 year old you, I mean, what tonal didn't exist when you were 18, right? Like the technology didn't exist. Who knew that you could have ended up at a place like this? But because you would were prepared to pivot and try different things, you landed in something that was great for you. Yeah. I mean, that is such good advice for him. And I just am looking back at my 16-year-old self. And if you were to tell me that, I probably would have been like, yeah, okay, dad. Like, yeah. I have to, you know what I mean? You've summarized like, that conversation accurately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the teen attitude. I mean, it's just tough. It's tough when you see your peers and when you see... This is something that I would really love to change because I really also think it's contributing to like our young mental health decline in a way is just attaching your identity to like a label and an outcome and thinking you have to know what you want to do next. Everything amazing and honestly like pushing me forward in my life has happened when I didn't quite know what was next. When I dropped my racket and I took a year off, I had no idea what to do. And it led me to some incredible experiences and things. When I moved to New York with no job, I had no idea what was coming next. And it led me to incredible experiences and things. And so I think that really telling kids and athletes and non-athletes and whoever that like being in uncertainty for a little bit and that discomfort is actually okay. Like it's more than okay. I think you need it. I think you just need it. But yeah, I mean, it's tough when you're younger and you're kind of growing up around this. It's trial and error. It's, you know? it's well, a, I mean, it's, growing up is a lot like strength training, right? Like you're not <laughs> going to grow if you don't do some get uncomfortable. Do, do some damage a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Absolutely. And, and it's mm-hmm. an already incredibly uncertain world. I think at least for me now more than ever in the world right now is just very uncertain. And so it's hard to be in this world where you don't have a plan because so many people talk about like, how am I going to get this job? How am I going to get that job? And they know they have to be self-sufficient, but trying to figure out how to be self-sufficient and have health insurance and all those things. It's scary, but you're absolutely right. Kind of having faith that everything will will work out. That doesn't mean don't work hard. That doesn't mean don't put yourself out there. But yeah, like that's how you come across really cool things and get to do things like be a tonal coach. Like that's freaking amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I honestly, yeah. I feel like most people don't have plans. Right. Like I think a lot of times what we think are plans is really us looking back on our lives and constructing a narrative that makes (laughs) it feel like we were always doing these things to end up where we ended up. When a lot of times we just did things and it kind of happened. And then sometimes people get judgmental about people who don't have their plan when really if you really were honest with yourself, you didn't have a plan. Like you just kind of did things. Yeah. 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 And like, exactly. And to Crystal's point, it's just, you're still working on kind of these intrinsic qualities and characteristics. You're still working hard and you're still keeping yourself accountable and figuring out what that means and knowing how to be kind to like, I feel like growing up, people would say, well, what do you want to do? I want to be a tennis player. I want to play pro. And there was no part of me that's like, I want to be a kind person. There's no money in that. (laughs) there's like no money in that and then at this point in my life i'm 27 and i have these mentors who are incredible who are successful and are like so kind and that's like the first thing i say about them before i rattle off their resume and what they've done i'm just like he's so kind like he got to where he is because he makes people feel welcome and he makes people feel good and Gosh, that's what I say now when people are like, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? I'm like, I don't know, but I hope that I'm always making people feel good and helping people. People complain a lot about cancel culture, but one of the positive aspects of that is that it has incentivized 
kindness in a way <laughs> that it didn't true. before. And even if that kindness is fake, I'll take your fake kindness out of your own fear than I will over just you being a douche. So <laughs> still a lot of douches out there. I'm just Absolutely. Saying. But if we can make them hide it, then the world's a better place. Absolutely. <laughs> hide your douchebaggery. Yes. <laughs> Christina's like, I'm not adding anything to this. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Don't put your light under a bushel. Let your light out of the bushel and then put your douchebaggery in the bushel. How about that? <laughs> that's um, another way to look at it. Yeah. They're really, that's just the best way. Okay, so you've talked about your past in athletics and you've also mentioned so many injuries and how they've had such a huge impact on your career. But now you do a lot of work that's based in mobility and recovery. So would you say that your training philosophy has changed during that time? Like, was that on purpose? Well, no, it wasn't on purpose. It was just one of those, like we've been talking about. It's just one of these things that I'm like, I couldn't have guessed that I would be so passionate about kind of this modality now of movement. But like I said, like pain is powerful and it's discouraging and it impacts your life. Even if it's just like neck pain, it's just like, it's not fun. And people think that they, Tom, I think you said this in the beginning, but what drives me up a wall is when people are like, well, you're just getting older. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, you don't have to settle for that. So yeah. So I learned upon my experience in addressing my injuries and honestly, Poor movement patterns, because if you are an elite or serious athlete, people don't realize this, but you're actually going to be an expert compensator. So like tennis, right? I am so good at rotating my body to one side, but I'm not as good at rotating it to the other side because of repetition and how many forehands I've hit. And that over time as a human being is going to impact other things, right? Hips and knees. And so just because you move like a great athlete doesn't always mean you move like an optimal human being. And you're going to feel it later in life if you don't address it early. And so from my mistakes, this is why I'm so passionate about helping people with this now is because it's everybody can move like an optimal human being with some of this mobility work. And when you start to really feel the benefits, it becomes addicting. Like you're like, how did I ever live without this? Just knowing that your shoulders are actually supposed to move a certain way, knowing your hips are actually supposed to move a certain way. It's like mind blowing at first. <laughs> so yeah, this is something I'm very passionate about bringing to the world. I like to think of my approach to movement as more than just fitness. I mean, anybody can do squats and for the most part, right? But I'm more interested in the idea of performance over fitness because whether you are in the gym or not, if you're just waking up and going on with your day, it's you're performing. You have to show up with your body and with your mind. And I'm so fascinated about how to kind of optimize those two together to make you feel like your best and most capable self. So mobility is the foundation of movement. And I'm, it's not as fun as like squatting heavy and like jumping around. But what's fun is that it makes you feel better doing those things. What's not fun is feeling pain. And so if I can teach people the importance of mobility, it's so that they can keep doing those things. That's like, that's it for me. I'd be happy. I'll go to my grave happy. That's <laughs> foundational. Like you can't build on sand. That's exactly. right. Exactly. But one of the questions I have when it comes to mobility, and this might be because I overthink things. What? I know. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to mobility, there's so many different kinds of mobility. Like you might take a tonal class. Like I know there's one that's like opening up your ankle joints. That's ankle mobility. And it made a huge difference whenever I took that class. But like, how do you know if you're not in pain, which mobility classes you should be focused on for you and how often should you be doing? Because there's so many, there's so many different yeah. kinds. So I would think of it this way. Well, first and foremost, I really would like to stress the fact that Mobility is different than just stretching. 
And we tend to like throw this vocabulary around that's like open up and loosen up. And I think for most people, just like understandably that they think that means just like holding a deep stretch, which is not a bad thing. Like there are a lot of people who actually need more range of motion, right? Just more passive range of motion, in which case you would be holding a stretch passively. But mobility for a lot of people is going to be more active. It's actually going to feel like work. Like it's going to be uncomfortable. You might even get kind of sweaty. So making sure that you're taking classes that are more than like just stretching, right? Like strength training for your joints is how I like to think of mobility. And then if you think of your body as just parts of your body, you can think of, this is a little bit overgeneralized, but three different like main parts. You've got your spine. So I think I have some classes out that are like spine and shoulders. And when you're working with your spine, it's a little bit of a different joint. So you're kind of working through different exercises, but still working range of motion and strength in your spine. So you think of like spine, think of kind of upper body or shoulders, like shoulders are going to be kind of the main foundation for upper body things and then hips. And just thinking of those three categories, spine, shoulders, hips, usually will address like other joints within that. And whether you're feeling pain in one of those areas or not, that's a good way to just approach what class you want to take. And then I would just say, you can also think about it as if you want to PR your squat, or if you want to PR your deadlift, go take a hip mobility class. Like it will absolutely translate into your heavier lifts if you're kind of focused on a more specific lift. So yeah, my biggest advice is think of the body as kind of three sections like that when it comes to mobility. And then if you're struggling with pain in one of those sections, take that class, spine and shoulders, hips, whatever. And then you can think about it as what are, well, what are my specific goals in my other lifts? Do I want to squat more? Do I want to improve my push-up? Get your scaps working better if you want to improve your push-up. I just want to not get old, man. <laughs> what that? In which case, take any. <laughs> so are the mobility workouts, are they typically like lower impact in terms of the volume of weight that you're lifting? So I guess my question is, would they make a good like recovery day for people? Totally. Yes. Yeah. So that's good to know because I think a lot of people, I think especially boys, let's just <laughs> put it out there, like they get focused on the weight that they're like, well, if I'm not lifting weight, what am I doing? Right. And so I think that's a good example of like, okay, well, if you're not supposed to work out that day anyway, supposed to from your muscle readiness standpoint, then throw in a mobility, at least you're still doing something and you're not quote unquote wasting your time when you could have been doing something else. And listen, you you hit it right there. I'm smiling because in my history as a trainer, as a coach, I've trained a lot of men and I've trained a lot of like bigger men. I've trained a lot of elite male athletes who have that mentality, right? If they're not like going hard, lifting heavy, whatever, then what are they doing? And when I have somebody just not touch tonal, not touch a weight, whatever, and I show them this is what it means to actually have strength within your hip capsule, for example, right? If you want to PR your squat, go ahead and stand here for me, lift your knee to your chest, hold it there, and I'm going to try and push your knee down, oh. fight me, right? And I'll have these like big elite men not able to resist me as I push their knee down just with the strength of their own hip no like crazy external weight. It's just their hip capsule, but your hip capsule is different than like these big muscles in your glutes and muscles in your quads and hamstrings. And what that movement is doing is essentially the same thing as a squat, right? You're lowering yourself down in a squat and your knees are moving up towards your chest. And so if I'm trying to push that knee down and your hip capsule can't do it, or you'll start cramping right away, which is usually what happens. It's very eye-opening for people to realize, oh, that is what foundation means, right? I'm lifting all of this weight. I'm wondering why something hurts, but I can't even resist Christina's hand if she's trying to like push my knee down. Yeah. So yes, I mean, using it as recovery, 
is a beautiful option, but I would just encourage, and again, it's not fun, but I would encourage, it's like your vegetables, like make sure you're just doing it once or twice a week, maintenance work, make sure you've got all these puzzle pieces together. The engine is oiled and then go do the fun stuff. And my classes on tonal are, my mobility classes are like 10 to 20 minutes max. So you're in, you're out. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like a pyramid, right? Like everything's goal oriented. And it's like that athlete, they started lifting the weights so they could hit the ball farther. Right. And so, well, now you're going to do this so you can lift the weights more so you can hit the ball farther. Right. It's a chain of events. Yeah, exactly. And so you can like, we say, pick your kid up, right. Or your grandkid up when you're older, certainly strength training. But if you actually want to lift them over your head, like raise your arms up over your head and hold that weight, get your mobility work in there as well. There's a difference between lifting a kid and holding them here and being able to really lift your arms up overhead. I Um, I feel like you shifted from kids to grandkids in that analogy because of me. I I feel feel a little called out. I'm I'm just supporting the notion of... It's not about getting older. It's just about continuing to be consistent. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I think that just shows you're a little little worried about your own age there, Tom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I am curious, Chris, when you were going through this process of rehabbing, I know you're still kind of recovering. You're still in it. It takes a while, like you said. But how did you train on tonal as you went through this process? Did you adjust anything or change anything up? Yeah. So I pretty much got on tonal like immediately. Like the first week out of surgery, certainly no. I mean, I could have, right? If somebody was like, go, I would absolutely go do an upper body workout on tonal. But the first week, I mean, I really had to like minimize all movement. But pretty much by the second week, like still in my big fat leg brace, still on crutches, I just did upper body. And it was like, it was incredible because I have this in my apartment, in my living room, and I can't even really walk outside yet for that long, but I can sit on the bench and do shoulder presses and rows. And I sort of adjusted certain movements that maybe were standing where I sat down and did them instead. And like a standing chop, I still got that core rotation in, but I just sat and it was really awesome because it was so, I don't want to say easy, but I would have to Uber to the gym if I wanted to go to the gym. And this was just so wonderful to kind of understand that when you don't have something working, you can still make a lot work. So I did upper body, mostly upper body for just a couple of weeks, like until I could stand. And then when I could stand, you know, I still was in my brace and I wasn't doing anything with anything from the waist down, like no squatting, no hinging, but I was standing and that was enough stimulus for my knee to start to understand, let's get this strength back standing while we're doing a bent over row, Right. So I just, I started sprinkling more and more in there. And then I remember when my physical therapist was like, you're cleared to do an RDL, right? Your hamstrings can lengthen safely, keep it light. I immediately went home. I got on tonal and I just did some RDLs and it was, it was incredible after a couple of weeks, not being able to do that. It was really great. Obviously I was able to adjust my weight. There were a lot of workouts that I did in active recovery mode. And sometimes I would have to even adjust it lower. And it's totally fine. There's no ego over here. There was when I was younger. (laughs) I got it all out though. Now that you're at the ripe old age of 27. (laughs) I know, right? Yes. I actually, I take that back. Sometimes with Coach Joe, I have a little bit of an ego. I'll get a little competitive, (laughs) but otherwise, no. (laughs) I was just thinking, this is just for Crystal. When I started the job I have right now, which is where I'm at today, you were 10 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, goodness. That's so funny. So what do you feel like you've learned? Like what has stuck out the most to you as you've gone through this process? 
I knew this, but I didn't know it well enough to be able to give it as advice until now. But when you are recovering from an injury, yes, it takes time to heal, but you also have to like do the work. You have to do the work and you're not going to feel like it a lot. Because like I said, in the beginning, you get used to kind of not doing anything like human nature just generally wakes up and kind of like gets you used to not doing anything. It's crazy how um, fast you can get used to that. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. It's kind of scary. And it just causes a little bit more anxiety when you know it's like time to start going again. So keep it small, but get the reps in. Make sure that you're staying consistent. I mean, in the very beginning, I had this exercise that I was just trying to straighten out my knee as much as I can and then let it bend again, straighten it out as much as I can and let it bend again. And I would be doing that as much as I could, just as something for my brain to be like, you're putting in the work here. So my biggest piece of advice is, again, just move into this with the approach of what can I do and do it and then just trust yourself and trust in the process. Do your future self a favor. Yeah, exactly. And then one last question you mentioned earlier, no plyometrics. We could expect for your live classes, no plyometrics. Is there anything else that we should be expecting as you come back to Tonal and start teaching live again? So my first live program back is going to be, I'm actually very excited about it. There will be no plyometrics, but we are still going to be working muscular endurance. And it's a very different program that I've been creating that I've actually been wanting to do. And it's like such a wonderful opportunity to do it now, but I'm going to really teach you how to challenge yourself with your own body weight, and then make sure that you're still focusing on movement quality when you overload on tonal. It's going to be a great program, first program back. And then we're getting close to marathon season here in the fall. So people can expect some of that focus (laughs) coming up and moving forward. Yay! Just like my 20 and 20 for runners. I loved that program. Loved, loved, loved. I mean, I've taken it And I am a coach for MetPro and I have suggested that to so many people, so many people. It's perfect. Love it. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm beaming. That makes me so happy. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Like so palatable, 20 minutes. It's easy to stay consistent upon your running volume, but also like I always say, you do not have to be a runner. You do not have to be a runner to do it. It will absolutely benefit your running if you are, but if you're not, you will. (laughs) It's a beautiful program and a wonderful workout. But my point is, <laughs> sorry, you know, more things like that to look forward to in the next couple months. Oh, and of I, course, mobility. Of so course. much mobility upon first coming back. <laughs> so I know Crystal said last question, but I have one more question. Oh, and I'm sorry. If you have convinced someone that they want to do a mobility workout, but they don't feel like they have an immediate pressing knee, they don't have a knee pain or what have you, but they just want to start incorporating to get out in front of things, where would you recommend that they begin? Yeah, I would first applaud them because it doesn't have to be you being in pain to do it. So I applaud them first. And then second, my answer and whether this is like super helpful or super not helpful is literally any, any of my mobility classes that you see on Tonal are designed for, will benefit whatever joint slash collection of joints we are focused on. There are a couple that I think I've named like full body maintenance or like one-stop shop. So those names of sessions and units might be good for somebody to just like, for that to be your first one. A sampler Um, platter, like the Vans Warped Tour for mobility workouts. (laughs) Yeah. But any of them, you're sort of starting to build the body awareness and that's where you start. You just kind of dive in, you figure out, what it means to actually have a working shoulder. You figure out what it means to actually be able to move your ankle the way it's supposed to move. And so, yeah, so that's my advice. Just any of them. Okay. And you don't dive in, you helicopter dive in. (laughs) You sat down on the mountain. Yes. (laughs) Bring it all full circle. Yes. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to talk to us and share all this wonderful information. Before we let you go, let everybody know where they can find you on the uh, interwebs. So I am on Instagram at Christina underscore Centenari. 
And that is pretty much the only social media platform I have bandwidth for at the moment. So that's the best place to find me. But shoot me a DM. I'm to be completely transparent, whether it's a DM or a text or email, <laughs> my response time is a work in progress. <laughs> well, you're working this is out. With my mom. This is like... <laughs> but yeah, I am here for questions and honestly, just like it absolutely fills me up. And it's truly the root of my why when people are reaching out to like, tell me their own stories. I just can't welcome that enough. So yeah, Instagram is where you can find me. Well, thank you again for doing yes. this. We really appreciate it. And it's been such a great experience getting to know you, getting to hear more of your story. And I really appreciate everything that you have shared today. Of course. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah, I had course. so much fun. Yay. Us too. So I guess that brings this episode to a close. Until next time, where can people find you? People can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Crystal D. O'Keefe. They can find me on Instagram and Twitter and the Tonal Leaderboard at Clip Out Crystal. And you can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. You can find the show online, facebook.com slash Superset Podcast. While you're there, like the page, join the group, and of course, don't forget to check us out on YouTube. So that's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in, and until next time, keep lifting. Superset is made possible in part by support from Tonal.